Hey, we're in a series called Jesus at the Center. Uh, it, this has been, uh, I don't know about for you guys, but this has been an incredible series for us as a staff. In the middle of this, just so that you guys know, our Tuesday staff meetings, we take Monday as a sabbatical. Nobody works, nobody uh, texts, nobody, at least they're not supposed to text or phone, make any phone calls or anything. And, but we come in on Tuesday and we give the very first part of our work week to the Lord. And what we've been doing for the last six weeks uh, during this series is actually as a staff, opening the word of God and just studying it together. And it has been amazing. It's been absolutely incredible. This has just been a really good series. And the, the reason we started telling it is because uh, I think you guys would all agree that we live in a world that is getting a little bit more and more chaotic. Yes? I would say and go as far to say as that our world that we're living in is a hot mess right now. You like that? It's just a hot mess. And in the middle of that, we need to have Jesus at our core. He needs to be the foundation. He needs to be the center of our lives. And so um, we are about seven weeks into this series. You can go online uh, to YouTube and look up Shine Church CO if you want to get the past messages. They've been all very, very good. Um, at the very beginning, I felt like the Lord wanted me to start um, with 1 Corinthians 1.30, where it says this regarding Christ. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And again, in past weeks, I've talked about the righteousness. I've talked about the holiness. Today, what we're going to talk is about the redemption. And I'm just going to give away the message right now. I'm gonna, I believe there's three levels of redemption that God has for us. There's the 30,000-foot view where God wanted, through Jesus, to redeem the entire universe, all mankind, all creation. And then I think it comes down and gets a little bit more personal, and he wants to redeem each one of us. He wants us to come to him and have salvation so that we can know that in eternity we're going to have perfect bodies, no more tears, no more weeping, no more pain, and we're going to have that salvation. But I present to you that there's an even uh, a tighter level or more individual level, and that is this. I believe that God wants to redeem each little specific thing in our life. Anybody have a struggle in an area, one area, but has success in another area? Anybody? And I believe that God wants us to realize that not only does he want to redeem us in the salvation, but he wants to redeem us in all these little areas. So let me give you just a little bit of what this week has looked like in regards to preparation. Every Tuesday, we get together as a teaching team, and we talk about, okay, the subject matter, and um, we collaborate on what, you know, different thoughts, different ideas, what we're hearing from the Holy Spirit. And then typically, Wednesday morning, Whoever's teaching will take that and start to prepare for the weekend service. Well, Wednesday morning, I had to do some other things, um, and so I didn't get to that. And so then on Thursday, I was like, oh, man, i got to study for this message. Um, but have you ever had one of those days where you know you have to get something done, and you just can't do it? Just can't get the motivation. And so I just couldn't do it. And so Friday morning comes, and I'm like, I have to put a message together. There's going to be people coming this weekend. They, they're going to want me to speak and say something. Um, and so I started to uh, open up the word of God and I started to pray through it. And I'm just, I'm going to be just completely open and honest, transparent with you, vulnerable right now. And uh, I, when I started, I was like, oh no, 
I don't, I don't know. I just, I'm not sensing any life. I, don't, I just have struggling trying to get, you know, just the subject matter for this. Um, and then God brought me to a section of scripture that I'm going to read to you in just a moment. And all of a sudden, this life started to fill me up. And by the time I got done studying on Friday morning, there was this anticipation about what God wants to speak to you this morning. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up with a word of prayer, and I'm going to pray that God would use me because I believe that if I communicate this well, um, boy, it could be something that actually transforms and changes your life. I hope that's why you're here, yes? You want something to change your life. And so I just pray that as I'm praying that you will open your heart to receive what the Holy Spirit has for you. And any uh, deficiencies, any flaws that I might have in communicating this, that the Holy Spirit would make up for it from here to there or online, and um, he would just change even the words so that you would just grab a hold of the heart that I believe he has for you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you can speak different things to different people all at the same time. And so, Lord, now I pray that I would decrease, you would increase in me, and that the words that I communicate to those listening to me right now would be the words that would come from your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would use me as a vessel to speak your heart, your life, to each person listening. And Lord, as I speak these things, open our hearts, open our spiritual eyes to just receive what you would have for us. And Lord, we thank you that by your powerful spirit, you can come and change our lives. We didn't come here just to, to, to sing a little bit and to hear a, a speech. Lord, we came here to worship you and be changed by you. And so, Lord, that's what we're praying for this morning. We thank you for that in your name. And everybody said, amen. All right, redemption. When I say the word redemption, and if you are new to Shine, we are so glad that you are here. Sit back, enjoy what God has for you. If you want to follow along, there's a, there's a Bible app. It's called Version Bible app. Um, you can follow along with the notes that's in there. There's three little lines on the bottom right of the app. You can click that, hit events, and you'll see Shine Church, and you can follow along. Um, and uh, one of the things that I do while we're talking or while I'm giving the message is I'll ask questions, and I'm actually asking for a response. And so I'm going to start with a question, asking you to shout out to me. Um, when you hear of the word redemption, what comes to mind? Justified, okay. To get back what was lost, that's good. An undeserved payment for what we owe, okay. We're redeemed even though we don't deserve it, that's good. Forgiveness, very good. Desperation, restoration, sorry. Restoration, maybe even some desperation. I don't know. <laughs> restoration. Anybody else? Made new. Oh, man, I love this. You guys must go to a really good church. <laughs> Rescued and restored. You guys, you guys are all right in there. Listen, listen to the definition, and you'll see that I, all these answers actually fit into this. Um, it comes from the Greek word apolutrosis, apolutrosis, and here's the definition. A release affected by payment of ransom. A release affected by the payment of ransom. Redemption, deliverance, literally 
buying back from or repurchasing what was previously forfeited or lost emphasizes the distance that results between the rescued person and God's effective work of grace. Purchasing them from the debt of sin and bringing them to their new status. And so in 1 Corinthians, when it says that Jesus became our redemption, I want you to get the picture of this. Jesus became the payment for the ransom for our inadequacies for our sins. Do you guys see that? And so when Jesus died on that cross, again, I believe he died on the cross for three different levels of redemption. The first level is this, all creation. All creation. The second level is, again, personal. The third level is I believe he wants to redeem each little story in our life. And so here's the scripture that I found that began to give me so much excitement about this. And see if you don't see these three things in this section of scripture in Romans. I'm going to start by reading Romans 8, and I'm going to start in verse 18. I'm actually going to go ahead and read it from my Bible. Um, you can follow along on the screen, or if you want to pull out your own Bible and follow there. But I'm going to start in verse 18, and it says this. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from the, its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who loved him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, I don't know if you caught it in that section of scripture. It's 11 verses, but you can see creation, individual, and all things work for his good. And so let's, took, let's look at these three levels of redemption. The first one, I believe that Jesus died. He paid the ransom for all of creation. In the New Living Translation, it reads like this in Romans 8, 19 through 22. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, now listen to this, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. Against its will, why? Help me out. What, what happened? The fall, right? Eve ate the apple, yes? We all know the story. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. 
For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. Now, I want to give you just a quick picture. I'm going to go to Isaiah where it speaks about when Jesus returns and what it's going to look like. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. It says this. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and a lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all of my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. Church, God's original intention was that he put creation together and it was a beautiful thing that there was no death and there was no decay yes can you even fathom that no death no decay it says that adam and eve when they were walking around walked around with god in the cool of the day they were so innocent to the power of god that he was king of kings lord of lords this holiness that you and i if we saw it today would kill us instantly they walked with him in the cool of the day and it says that they didn't work hard for food. It said that they could eat fruit off of trees that produced every month, not just peaches in July and August, but all year long. Apples, oranges, peaches. They could eat whenever they wanted to. The creation in its completion, the wholeness that God created, was this place where there was no decay. It says here that when it comes back to the fullness of this, do you get the picture? Lion and lamb will be laying together. Children will be playing with snakes and not be harmed. Can you even imagine that? And then how about this? And why aren't we talking about this? In the story of Adam and Eve, does anybody find it interesting that the snake talked to Eve? Have you ever thought of that? If a snake comes up to me and starts talking, I'm getting the heck out of here. Yes? Even your cute little dog, if it all of a sudden started talking to you, you would not be like, oh, yeah, how's it going? Like it's just a normal transaction. And so I don't know. Can animals speak in the fullness of what God? I don't know. But here's what I do know. This serpent talked to Eve. There is a completion that God originally intended that when Adam and Eve fell, brought in decay and death. And what? And fear, absolutely. And so when Jesus died, yes, he died for us and our sins, I, absolutely. But I also believe that he died so that all creation can be redeemed. If you read your word and you look into um, end time things, when Jesus returns, it says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth that's going to be placed right here. I don't know if you think about that much, but if you look into it, it all of a sudden gives you an anticipation and an expectation of where you're going and where we're headed for those that have called upon the name of the Lord. So the first level is that 30,000 foot view. God wants to restore all creation. All right? It's groaning. It's waiting for this. You read that in Romans right there. All creation is waiting for this redemption. The second level of this is that I believe that God wants to redeem each person. We read a couple sections of scripture. Romans 8, continuing with that. 23 and 24, not only so, so not only is creation groaning and crying out, but not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly 
Listen to this. Listen to the description in this verse. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. All right. Any of you have a physical body that is groaning for our eternal body? I just turned 50 this year, and I'm realizing more and more that when I wake up, things hurt that I have no idea why. Do you know that some people think that it was the anger of God that kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden after the whole fall? And I've heard it taught, and I find this very interesting, that maybe it was the love of God that removed them from the garden. Because he realized that the fallen nature came in, the death, the decay, all of that came in. And if they were allowed to eat the fruit from the tree of life, how many of you know that we would keep eating that fruit even though our bodies were falling apart? And in his love, he said, hey, you know what? Uh, I've got a, I have another plan. I've got a, a redemption that will come. And so in love, they, he pushed us out of that. I don't know. Just something I've heard and I thought was interesting. Like we do know this, though. 1 Corinthians 15 teaches us, for since death came through one man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Romans 5, 18, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. God wants to redeem us personally. He wants to redeem a relationship with him. Jesus died. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting eternal life. Why did God do this? Because God wanted to redeem the relationship between he and us. This is very important because he wants us to understand that he loves each one of us so much that he would send his son to die on our behalf so that we could have relationship. And here's the interesting thing. He did this for every single person that's ever been alive or is alive. The issue is we have to turn and face and acknowledge what he did for us. We have to realize that Jesus died for our sins so that we could be redeemed, so that we could have this relationship. And so if you are here this morning and you haven't asked Jesus in your heart, I want to just strongly encourage you, ask God if he's real. And if he is, then ask him, how did you want to redeem our relationship? And I think that you will see that there is great peace and grace life in this understanding that Jesus died for you and I so that we could have this personal redemption. For those of you that have asked Jesus into your heart, I want you to know and uh, I want you to remember that God so loved you that he did this so that we could have life, but not just life, but life in abundance. It's not just about eternity and waiting for our, our earthly tents to go away so we can have our heavenly bodies. I love, again, just the, the, the scripture of that. Um, <laughs> um, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Look forward to what is coming, church. Look forward to what is happening in eternity. And understand that whatever you're going through right now, it's just temporary. And I know that's difficult when you're going through the middle of that, but maybe this is a, a glimmer of hope in the fact that it's just temporary. God has an eternal spiritual body for you. And understand that even Paul understood this and said, hey, we, we even back then, 2,000 years ago, they were groaning for this. Come, 
Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Yes? And so there's a redemption for us personally, for our salvation. But I think it goes beyond that. And the third level of redemption that I want to talk to you about today is this. I believe that God wants to redeem every person's story. And if you're, um, well, I, it's not even if you're like me. Every person that walks and talks on this planet has several different stories. And here's what's interesting. We have stumbled across something at Shine Church that we didn't even know the magnitude or the full effect of what was taking place. But I want to share uh, the journey that we have been on. We started House Church a little over a year ago, September of 2020. And in the middle of that, we started putting people, we shut the doors, as DJ said, we shut the doors on the, on the last full weekend of the month, and we go through, go to homes. And we ask, and hopefully you're all involved. If you're not, I'd strongly encourage you to sign up and join one. But we go into these homes, and what we were doing for the first year is we were having a time of worship, we were having a message, and then we were asking the groups to talk about the content of the message and then to eat together and pray together. Uh, and what we were finding is these were incredibly life-giving times, but the house church leaders came to us after doing this for a year and said, hey, you know what? There's so much going on that we're only getting through a certain level and we're not really getting to know one another. And so what we decided to do and start this fall is Let's take the worship out. Let's do a three-minute teaching, just a really short teaching. And then let's take the rest of the time and have a couple or two singles in each group every week, or not every month, share their story. And when I say share their story, I'm talking like, hey, I was born in Colorado Springs. My first memory I have was when I was two to three years old. And start to share the story about how you grew up, what life was like when you were... Uh, six and seven, 12 and 13, 16 and 17. Uh, how did you meet your spouse if, if they were married? And get that story. And then, okay, once you got married, what was that like? And just going through and sharing the story. The purpose and the intent and the thought was that people would get to know each other this way. Because when you hear somebody's story, what happens is you begin to draw, be drawn into their story. And you go, oh, wow, I had no idea you went through that. I have been amazed every time I've heard a story in this process that I found myself thinking, I had no idea that that person has gone through this. And it's been so encouraging, not only to the people that are listening to the story, but it's been super encouraging to the one giving the story. And so what we're starting to find is that in the story, God is using that to actually set people free and redeem certain sections of their story as they begin to share it. And so um, I have been very intrigued by this, and I've been starting to research it and, and look more into it. And so I'm currently reading a book called The Anatomy of the Soul by Kurt Thompson. And I want to read to you a paragraph that comes from this book. It says this. You construct your understanding of the world and your place in it through the lens of your own story. And the manner and context in which you reflect on your story in your mind or tell your story to others become part of the fabric of the narrative itself. In other words, the process of reflecting on and telling others your story and the way you experience others hearing it, it actually shapes the story and the very neural networks it represents. 
Okay, this is an incredibly heady book. I, you know, it's one of those where it's taken me like two minutes to read one page. I mean, it's just, oh. So I'm going to read it one more time. You construct your understanding of the world and your place in it through the lens of your own story. We all have a story, and we see the world based on the story and how things happened to us. And the manner and the context in which you reflect on your story in your mind or tell your story becomes part of the fabric of the narrative itself. What you remember about that story shapes who you are. Yes? And when you remember it or when you tell it, it begins to shape. And actually, they have proven that in your mind the neurons itself start to grow or die based on what you think about or what you receive back when you tell these stories. In other words, the process of reflecting on and telling others your story and the way you experience others hearing it actually shapes the story and the very neural networks it rep represents. Meaning this, that when you tell your story, the people listening to it, if they have a negative bent on it, will lead your mind down a very negative road, and you will remember that in a very negative way. Or if you have uh, empathy and encouragement as you're telling that story, they can actually shape a, a horrible, terrible experience. They can actually shape it, and the Holy Spirit can come in and redeem it in your life. Whew. This is... it. it it just, it, it starts to just make my brain hurt a little bit. Ultimately, God has placed in each one of us a wiring and a makeup in our brain that we can actually change the memory of the story of our past. It doesn't change what happened. It does not change what happened. But what it changes is the memory and how you view it. Do you view it from a positive aspect or a negative aspect? Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Listen. I've always read that verse thinking about the external. Something bad happens to me, and because of that, then something external changes people or whatever. Um, I have never read that verse from a perspective that if I will be willing, if I'm willing to tell my story to others, that especially others that love me and have empathy and can encourage me, if I tell my story, they can actually help God change the memory in my head and redeem that story in my life. <laughs> I know it's heady. I, I got you thinking. I can I see the smoke coming out in the room. He uses an example right after saying that paragraph, and here's the example. He says, what if there was a girl that every time she came home from school or playing with friends, when she was sad, she would come home to her mom and her mom would embrace her and love her and encourage her and, and tell her, hey, it's going to be all right and you are loved and you're cared for and Jesus loves you and it's going to be okay and sometimes people hurt you and, and, and would just give her that affirmation and empathy and then when she grew up to be a young adult, she realized that sadness is just part of life and it doesn't necessarily have to, to lead to any neg negative thing. But what if that same girl comes home and the mother 
actually um, discourages the, the, the feeling, okay? Hey, you shouldn't ever feel that way. She uh, looks at her with disdain and she kind of ridicules her and brings her to a place that every time she feels sadness when she sees her mom, there's a shame. There's a shame to having that sadness. And as she grows up as a teenager and she grows up to a young woman, she begins to realize that um, it's very shameful to have any sadness. So what does she do as a grown woman? Then she begins to process in her brain that um, if there's sadness, it directly correlates and attaches itself to shame. So I'm going to stay away from sadness. I'm gonna do everything I can to not be sad. And if anybody around me is sad, I have no empathy and I will not put myself in there because it creates this shame in my life. Now, if that woman will then tell a trusted friend or a counselor and begin to share the story about what happens and that friend or that counselor listens with empathy and encourages her and says, well, you know, you don't have to have shame when that sadness is a real feeling and, and it, you're validated in your feeling of sadness. And all of a sudden, then what begins to happen is it begins to change the actual makeup of her brain and instead of feeling shame when she experiences sadness, if she gets that positive reinforcement, it actually rewires her brain in a way that begins to let her process that sadness is part of the emotions that God has given to us. And shame is not attached to sadness, but that actually empathy and encouragement and closeness to somebody can actually shape that. And it actually changes how she thinks about when she grew up. It heals your brain. It heals your brain. So accidentally, we have stumbled into this thing as a church where we're telling our stories and we're beginning to see people set free as they just share their story and we begin to see people be super encouraged as they hear a story. In one of my house churches, we had a couple share at the very beginning, the first month, and they shared their story, did an incredible job. We got done with it, we prayed for them, and it was just so incredibly life-giving. Came back the next month, and here was their testimony. Uh, we, don't, we can't fully even explain it, but something has released in us. There is a freedom in us because we shared our story a month ago. There is a freedom in us. We have never felt so free. Now, if you're in here or if you're online and you're listening to me right now and there is something that is hindering you, that is keeping you down, you're wanting to get freedom from something, I would encourage you, maybe there's a powerful thing in sharing your story. Finding somebody that you can come alongside and go, hey, I wanna just share my story and I, I want you to let me know, is there certain things that maybe I'm processing my life through the wrong lens? And let somebody pray for you and encourage you and listen with empathy. And who knows, maybe because of that, you get set free from that thing. Yeah? Man, as you hear this, I hope this certain verses start popping in your head. Like how about this one from Revelation? They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I always thought testimony was the salvation experience. You know what testimony simply means? An oral presentation of what has happened. That's what it is. Guess what? Every single one of us has an oral presentation of what has happened in our life. So the question is, who are you giving that presentation to? 
Are you giving it to people who have a common belief that have empathy and want to help you in the midst of that? Or are you giving it to people in this world who have a very negative bent and as soon as you start to share something, they ask questions like, that happened to you? Oh man, did you go hurt them? Man, if that happened to me, I would kill them. Do you know what I'm saying? You guys are looking at me like I'm crazy. I just seen it on Facebook. Do you have a group of people around you that are trying to encourage like that negative synopsis, that, that, just that wiring? Or are you surrounding yourself with people that will come alongside you and go, hey, you know what? God wants to redeem that in your life. You know what? God uses all things for good. Tell me that story. I want to hear that whole thing. And I want to go with you and pray to the Lord and ask God to give us what he thinks about that. And let's encourage one another with this. I found this psalm and I thought it was so good. Psalm 130, verse seven and eight says, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord, there is steadfast love and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. There is plentiful redemption. Do you know what the word plentiful means there? It means multitude. So basically what's happening here is he says, for with the Lord, there is steadfast love. He loves you. He absolutely cares and loves and is crazy about you. And then it goes, and with him is multiple redemptions for your life. See, I think the enemy, if he loses you at the all creation, and then he loses you at the individual salvation, he'll be like, don't let them know that God wants to redeem every area of their life. Just keep them right there. Keep them saved. Where they have eternal life, but they don't have abundant life. But Jesus said, I came to give you not only life, but abundant life. How do you get abundant life? When you ask Jesus into each little area of your life and you let him redeem that. And guess what? We need one another to do this. We need one another to do this. We need to share stories. If you're sharing your story, find some people that you can share to. If you're listening to a story, listen with your lean into it, have your eyes wide open, be empathetic, listen with care and understanding, ask the Holy Spirit to speak life because the very words you may say in that moment may set that person free and redeem an area in their life. Dude, how cool is that? You know, I think when we think of signs and wonders, we think about all these healings and supernatural things. What about a sign to wonder of somebody coming and being set free and redeemed from a story in their past? Amen. Man, it can absolutely happen. And God has plentiful redemption for us. And so here's what I want to do. I want to take the uh, next 10 or 15 minutes, and I just want to hear stories of redemption. And so here's what I'm going to ask um, from you. Is there a story of something that you've been redeemed from? Is there a story in the Bible that comes to mind of redemption? The Bible is actually filled with redemptive stories. And here's what I'm hoping. Here's why I'm doing this exercise. My hope is as you hear little teeny redemption stories, that all of a sudden something will stir in you and go, oh my gosh, if they can be redeemed and set free in that, maybe I can be too. Because God uses those things to encourage us. And so as you're thinking about this, DJ's got the mic, uh, I'm gonna tell just a quick one. Um, When I came to know the Lord, I was in the middle of courting and uh, dating my wife. And um, in the middle of that, 
we were doing things of the world, but yet Jesus was grabbing hard heart and we were being shifted and moving this way. And at that time, we both smoked. And I will never forget, I, I, if you've ever been addicted to something, um, if you've ever been addicted to smoking, um, uh, you know, the constant battle is, I'm gonna quit, I'm gonna quit, I'm gonna quit. The second that you say, I'm going to quit, it's the only thing you think about. I gotta smoke, I gotta smoke, I gotta smoke. Until the point where you finally grab a cigarette and you're like, oh, okay, good, and I'm not thinking about it anymore. But now you're smoking again. Yes? All right, well, in this process, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, pinpoint, I want you to stop. And I stopped that day and never had a cigarette again. See, I believe that when God pinpoints an area that he wants to redeem, he will follow it with the power of the Holy Spirit to actually help you accomplish that. I think a lot of times people try to stop things in their own power. They try to make assumptions of what God is telling them to fix instead of going to God, hearing from him, and then just doing what he tells us. There will always be power, church, in what he tells us to do. There will always be condemnation and guilt in what you think he wants you to do. Ooh, that was good. That's not in my notes. That was for somebody. And so God just redeemed me from that. One little area, one little simple thing, but totally redeemed me to the great frustration of my wife. Because he didn't speak that to her and I told her that she needed to do it. And she struggled and struggled until finally God told her and then guess what? Redemption. And that's how that works. God begins to just redeem us area by area, issue by issue. You guys, here's my heart for this church, that this would be a place where we begin to see the redemption of God in so many different areas of our lives and that we begin to get so comfortable telling our story that when I do something like this and say, hey, let's tell a story about redemption, there's so many hands that go up that we realize, oh, we're gonna be here all day. Now, I know that's I'm just dreaming real big on that, but this is why we do house churches is because if we get to that place where there's safety in this room, we can't do that. I, it just, it, it, people have other things to do and nothing, but in a house church environment where there's six, eight, 10 people and we tell stories, guess what? We can receive the same thing in those smaller groups and get that freedom, our actual brains are wired differently. God put that, I, I'm reading this book and I'm just blown away at the greatness of God, that God actually wired our brains in this way. And I love it when God begins to show me not only the spiritual things of, of, of our life, but then when he ties the science into it and we get to put it together and pair it together. The science of this, guys, is that God actually wired our brains, left brain, right brain. The author of that book actually goes like this. Your left brain, which is the logical side of your brain, when something traumatic happens in your life, will actually try to hide your memory of it. That's why people who have severe traumatic things, and I realize, for some of you, you've had severe traumatic things, and telling your story one time it's only the beginning of a process. There's counsel that you need. There's, it's more than just telling that story one time or a couple times. There's, there's a process of that because what happens is your, right, your left brain stuffs it away. Your right side, your creative side, the different things, um, when, you, when you correlate with somebody else that allows their right side of their brain to, to fire at what they're hearing and you see the different response and you see all of a sudden it activates a portion of our brain. We're wired this way. God created each one of us like this, that our brains work this way. It's absolutely amazing.
And it's incredible when you allow God to begin to show you these different things. And so bottom line is this. God sent Jesus to pay the price to redeem all of creation, to redeem us for salvation, absolutely. But he wants to redeem us in every little area of our life. And church, let's go to God and ask him by his Holy Spirit to reveal those things and follow what he's telling us to do. Did you want to say something? Yep. Peter is our youth pastor. There'll be a lot of volume in this, I'm sure. <laughs> um, okay, so it's actually this morning. I just think it's ironic. So this morning I was listening to a message, and the pastor said one of the first things, actually the first thing God said in this world when he, after he created it was not good. He said, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And that was it. The first thing was him realizing isolation is our worst enemy. Like, the very first thing was, you need, pe- you need a helper. We need people. We cannot be alone. That's so That's good. It. That's so good. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for creating us individually. But, Lord, I thank you that you created others that we can have relationship and fellowship with. And so, Lord, we actually come to you right now, and we recognize the ransom that was paid for the redemption of all mankind, for our personal lives, and for even each one of our individual stories. And so, Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would remind of remind us of this often, that you would bring us to an understanding that, God, you don't just want to save uh, our life for eternity. God, you want to give us life abundant right now, and that life comes from giving you these stories. And so, Lord, we ask that you would just reveal to us what particular thing you're wanting to redeem, whether it would be this this afternoon, this week, this month, but God, you begin to reveal those things to us, and then Lord, help us to know the individuals that we should partner with to tell our story, to come along so that we can get um, the freedom and the redemption that comes from confessing our sins one to another or confessing our stories one to another. God, I'm just once again reminded that we overcome by the blood of Jesus Christ, the ransom that you paid, and the word of of our testimony, the oral presentation of our story. And so, Lord, we thank you for the power that comes in these things, and we give you all glory, honor, and praise in your name. Amen.